And He has something to say to us. When I see promises in the Word of God, the Bible said the promises of God are yea, and they are amen to him that believes. They are yea and amen to him that believes. Now, how in the world are we going to, going to marry this, this, this emphasis on being hungry for righteousness with receiving promises? Because promises generally, when I grew up, uh, the Sears catalog, remember Montgomery Ward? Sears and Roebuck was the name of it. And back in the 50s when I was growing up, we lived poor. We were poor folk. We were poor folk. I remember one time, and it was during deer season, my uncle had went and shot a deer. And my grandmother, he had dressed it out, brought some of the deer steaks to her home. And my uncle was struggling, like we were struggling to make a living. And there wasn't a lot of meat on the table. I grew up with soup beans, and you get ham hocks, you get, you get some kind of meat to flavor the beans, but it's not meat to eat, it's meat to flavor the beans. And cornbread, and a green onion, and, and, and we're happy. We come from Kentucky, give me a, a pinto beans, and, and all, yeah, <laughs> come on, hallelujah. We can make do around here. Just, just enough meat to flavor the beans, and the protein is in the beans. Beans are very good for the heart, I hear. Okay, the rest of them, it just went right over your head, but we won't even talk about that any further. Amen. We grew up very poor. So the Sears Roebuck catalog, to me, was a wish book. I would open it up. And know that we couldn't afford it. And I used to play a game, an imaginary game, when I was five or six years old. And, and it wasn't just for me. I know I went to the toys first. That's just the kid in me. I went to the wagon. I went to the bicycle. I went to the, I went to the gun and holster set and the, and the hat and the Roy Rogers stuff and, and all of that. But then you know where I went? I went to the ladies' shoes. No, it is not what you're thinking. I'm glad Sean isn't here. I don't have to deal with what he would be doing right now. But I know what he would be thinking. And I went to the ladies' dresses. Because I thought if I could have anything in this catalog, I would get my toys, of course. But I'd want to get my mama those shoes. I'd like to get my mama that dress. Then I saw the slacks for men and the sport coat, and I thought of my daddy playing his fiddle in church, and I thought about that old coat he had that he's wore for years and years, and it was wearing thin, amen, and I thought, and I thought about his shirt that up around here it starts getting frayed from being washed and ironed, not taken to the cleaners, but washed and ironed so much, <laughs> and I thought, you know, I'd love to get my daddy, I'd love to get my daddy a brand new white shirt I, I'd get, and I'd look at the ties and I'd say I'd like to get him that tie and that shirt and that coat and mama that dress and those shoes wow I would just sit and imagine if I could have everything in that wish book those are the things that I would wish for and you know what people do with God's promises by and large we look at them as a wish book I wish God would heal me. I wish God would help me. I wish God would prosper me. I wish God would make a way for me. But the Bible is not a wish book. I wish God would baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I wish...
God would help me through this trial. I wish God would give me this peace. I wish I had this joy. Can you say, man, I wish, I wish, I wish. And I wish needs to be changed to I know, I know, I know. Because the Bible is not a wish book. It's a promise book. And when we deal with promises, the first focus is not the promise. It's the person who has made the promise. And the promises of God to them that believe. Believe what? The promise? No, believe the person who made the promise. They are what? What happens when you really believe God is a promise-keeping God. And you find and see the promise that He's made. It becomes yea and amen. You know what amen means? Try it. Let's see if we got to amen. See if your amen even works. Everybody say amen. amen. You know what that means? It means be it unto me according to your word. Can you say amen? So be it unto me. That's why did God pick Mary? Because she was she was so pure. No, because of her faith. Abraham believed God. And it was what? Imputed him. Put to his account as righteousness. We in Pentecost thought we could obtain it by getting holy enough on the outside that we could somehow be worthy of God's blessing. We never made it. We never made it. I knew a preacher that preached on holiness or hell in some form every time he preached. He ended up leaving his wife without biblical grounds. He ended up marrying another man's wife without biblical grounds. So not only did he leave his wife, he did the sin of David. He took another man's wife. And he's the man that preached on holiness or hell. He's the man that preached on everything being a sin. You couldn't even go to the Strawberry Festival, he called it the Feast Evil. Because they had rides and strawberry shortcake and pretty chickens and big old cows. How evil can you get hanging out at a place like that? If he could only see today. This is way back in the day when we first came into Pentecost. You had to wear your hair a certain way. You had to be holy enough. For the Holy Spirit to indwell you. You had to somehow obtain that place. If you were having problem receiving the Holy Ghost, you need to get rid of the sin in your life. And how are you going to do that without the Holy Ghost? I don't have any idea. You receive power after He comes on you, not uh, before He comes upon you. Can you say amen? Amen? Come on, we all been there. I went and preached at a radio I preached a revival in Merritt Island. I went to a radio station and there was a church of, I'm not going to call the name, but there was a church of, (laughs) it was one of those denominational holy, I mean one of the big ones. And the the disc jockey, the Christian DJ, he he was a member of that church and they just had a convention. (laughs) And I walked in because it was 95 in the shade. And I walked in the radio station in a short sleeve white shirt and a pair of dress slacks. Lord have mercy. I'm going to preach on the radio in a short sleeve shirt. 
without a coat and tie. And I come in, and he looked me up and he looked me down. He was listening to me preach because they had sent him a tape from the church service back in the days of the tapes. And he looked me up and he looked me down. <laughs> he said, if you were with the church of, call the name of it, he said, they wouldn't let you preach. If you didn't have on a long sleeve shirt buttoned at the wrist and a tie and coat. He said, because I worked in the bookstore at a convention and I had on a long sleeve shirt and tie, but I was, the, the booth was outside. And he said, I had my collar unbuttoned, my tie loosened, and I had my sleeves rolled up twice because it was so hot. And he said, one of our district overseers came by and looked at me and said, I want that top button buttoned. I want that. I want those sleeves rolled down and buttoned at the cuff. And I want you to put your coat back on because you represent the church of. So there he is, sweating through his shirt, sweat boiling down his face, somehow obtaining a righteousness or a holiness because of his outward appearance. Where does man look? He looks out here. Where's God look? He looks in the heart. And it don't matter, matter how much you dress up the outside. God is looking right past that into the heart. Now there is a dress. I come here, not formally, but I come here dressed simply because I'm going to stand in the pulpit. I'm going to open the Holy Bible. I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to move. And if you were having a wedding, this is how I would show up at your wedding. If you're having a funeral... That's an occasion where I will show up like this. Well, this is an occasion that trumps wedding and funeral. Don't you think this trumps weddings and funerals? If I was invited to the White House in the presence of all those dignitaries, I would dress accordingly. I'm in the church house now and there's a dignitary here too. So that's why I as the pastor. I'm talking about the pastor. Amen. You can be casual. I understand that, but be be dignified enough to honor Him. We're in His house. We're in His presence. But that phony stuff, that baloney stuff. And so I looked at the man and I said, Well, sir, I said, is this radio or television I'm supposed to do today? He said, this is radio. I said, well, good, because they can't see me. <laughs> they don't know if I'm naked. Looking down at the floor, I know, I know. There's some things you just don't want to see. You don't even, don't want to even imagine. So I begin to get a glimpse of the righteousness and the things of man and religion and the things of God and what God is looking for. What God is demanding from us. If we want to be right with God... One thing is for sure, we can't be right with man and right with God at the same time. You've got to make up your mind you want to be right with God. Can you say amen? That's so vitally important. I went to a church and preached where they had a, a church of uh, eight, 800 to 1,000 every Sunday in Plant City. They had just got through building a $1.4 million sanctuary. And I'm going to tell you, it was an honor to walk in. To a sanctuary that big, full of people. It was really an honor. I was honored to be there. 
I spoke as God gave me the message. And of course, he did like he did this morning. He changed the message. Can you say amen? And we preached something that I didn't plan to preach, but God had planned for them to hear. And I delivered the message under the unction of the Holy Spirit, just like here. But when they wanted me to come back, you see, they, they didn't know my education. In fact, I've been meeting with preachers, pastors for four years. One of them has a master's degree in theology. The other one's on his way to getting a master's degree in theology. I have no degree in theology. I only have 43 years in January of preaching the gospel and studying the Bible and praying over sermons and depending on the Holy Spirit. So, so they lost a professor at one of the Bible colleges. And one of the preachers said to me, well... Brother Venable, you have a master's degree. Why don't you come and teach at our Bible college? Should I tell him? <laughs> or just tell him, no, I'm too busy to teach. No, let me tell him. It's good that they know. Amen. Because sometimes you can depend more on your degree than you do the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's something they don't teach you at Bible college is how to depend on the Holy Spirit. No, they don't. Listen to me carefully. And that's why there's so many Bible colleges that don't believe in miracles anymore. And don't, don't allow God to be the same God in the 21st century that He was in the 1st century and the preceding centuries. Praise God. Now, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for ignorance and biblical education is a good thing. And if I had had time to go to school, I would have went to school. But when God called me and put me, thrust me, literally is the word, putting me into the ministry, and He thrust me into the ministry. Amen. Man didn't do it. I didn't, wasn't qualified by man, wasn't anointed by man. Man had nothing to do with my calling. In fact, I tried to get out of my calling because my uncle was a pastor, and I'd seen the pressure he was under, and I said, I'd love to be a pastor, but I don't want the pressure. Let me be an evangelist. Let me come in and, what we say, clobber them? It's clobbering time, he said this morning. Let me clobber them with the Word. And then, guess what? I'm going home. I'm going to leave it between God and them, and that preacher has to live with them. I talked about church growth. This guy here has been around churches and preachers enough to know what that means. He, I said 150 people would... We'd have to put out, we'd have to make room somewhere. He said 150 headaches. <laughs> Not necessarily. If God sends people to be a help, they won't be a headache. But if God sends people to be a problem, it's going to be a headache and a heartache. And some people don't come to help. And you find out pretty quick, they're not coming to help you. They're, they're coming for you to give them a leg up to where they want to be. And uh, as the early church said, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Because if they were of us, they wouldn't have went out from us. <laughs> but they took off and went their own way. Listen to me carefully. This is, this is so important. The promises of God are yea and amen to them that believe. Now, I've read this before, but I want to read it. I want to get biblical. Oh, by the way, let me finish the story about the big church. They only have big preachers come. If you are not somehow categorized. It don't matter if you preach well, if you bring God's message, if you're anointed and you're biblically accurate. doesn't matter. What matters is your title. In order to preach in the big church, you've got to hold a title. 
So they gave me a title because they assumed I had a doctor's degree in theology. Isn't that inc- they just assumed. I, I was honored that they assumed that. Amen? They assumed that. So they asked the deacon that asked me to come back and preach for them, their pastor appreciation. And he said, Brother Venable, they want you to come back and preach for pastor appreciation. Because they're asking me almost every Sunday, when is Dr. Venable coming back to preach to us? And I thought, that's okay. I'm not going to just stand up and start telling them how dumb I am and how illiterate I am and uneducated I am because I'm not dumb and I'm not illiterate and I'm not uneducated. I've had over four decades of reading and studying and depending on the greatest professor of theology in the world. The Holy Spirit. Can you say man? When He comes, He will guide you into all truth. Now here's what I'm not for. Back in the day, it was open your mouth without even studying or understanding or appreciating the Scripture. Amen. Open your mouth and God will fill it. Well, He can't fill it with anything. if He, has a, he can't bring to your remembrance what Christ has said unto you if you don't clearly understand what Christ has said unto you. So the Bible said, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. For when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Can you say amen? Now here's a, here's a conundrum. Here's a paradox. Howbeit, you have no need that any man teach you. Does that mean we don't? Learn from our pastors. And by the way, let me get a bunch of stuff in at one time. Does that mean we don't learn? We don't listen? We just go with the leadings of the Spirit without understanding the Scripture? Absolutely not. He's literally saying there, in that system they were in, only those Sadducees and Pharisees and priests were doing the teaching. Only them. Only them. Only them. And they were slanting everything what they believed it would be. And Jesus countered that by saying, How long will you teach for commandments the traditions of men? In other words, I don't want you receiving just the traditions of men. I want you receiving the Word of God, the counsel of God. Amen? So how be it you have no need that any man teach you, teaching you men's tradition. For we have an unction. From the Holy One. When I saw unction, I thought of that lady that got delivered from drugs, that young lady back in the 60s, and she said, I got an unction for my gumption so I can function. Hallelujah. And I thought, that's really good, but that's not this word in the Greek, unction. This word in, oh, by the way, let me tell you this. It was an honor to me because the man working on his master's degree had to write a thesis on something, and he called me before he found out I didn't have a degree. And he asked me, how would you word this if you were writing this? (laughs) And I thought, he just don't know who he's talking to. (laughs) If he knew who I really was, he wouldn't be asking me nothing. Amen. But he did. Listen, and when I finally divulged, they never had all these years, almost five years went by. And he said, you don't have a master's degree in theology? And I said, no. And he looked at me and he said, well, God must have called you. And I thought, you're right. 
God must have called me. 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 Because I didn't get it from anywhere else. And I didn't get it from anybody else. Amen. But the Scripture is the Scripture. And the Scripture is true. And the Holy Ghost has come. And I depended on Him. I would work all day on a line crew at Tampa Electric. And I would open the... open. Pamela would drive and I would open because my dome light was out. Not, not here, but in the car. Can you see? <laughs> the do- <laughs> I know what you were thinking. I love you anyway. Amen. I would open the glove compartment. And back then, I didn't even need glasses. I could open one of those little pocket New Testaments. And I would study for the sermon. Because I had no time after working all day in the hot sun for Tico on a line crew. But I would study and say, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, come. We'd get to the Holy Church of God and I'd go in the side room. Get down on my knees and say, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come on, come, Holy Spirit. And then suddenly something would, would come alive within me. Something would drop into my heart. And then he'd show me the scripture. Then he'd show me the scripture. Then he'd show me the scripture. Because he didn't just give me something. He showed it to me in the word. It always had to come through the word of God. But not the commandments and traditions of men. Hallelujah. What would happen if we read the Bible as it's written without man's opinion, man's perspective, man's slant on it? Can you say man? Hallelujah. They got a hold of the Word of God in South Vietnam without all of the influences of man. The cessationists that believe the days of miracles are over had not got to them yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Dr. Wong... From Hong Kong. That's the way I can remember his name. Amen. He's a director of Asian missions. Had visited the churches recently in South Vietnam. He said there's no megachurch in South Vietnam. There's no denomination prevalent in South Vietnam. But they have the Bible and they have the Holy Spirit. And he said the miracles that are recorded in the book of Acts... There's not one miracle in the book of Acts that is not occurring and verified when they get together in house meetings 40 and 50 strong on Sunday morning all over South Vietnam when Christians gather. Amen. So the guy from Moody Bible Institute during, during the, the interview, he said, what can we do to help them? He said, don't organize them. Don't turn them in. He didn't use those words. I knew what he meant. Don't you know what he meant? Don't turn them in with an organization that's telling every preacher in it how to preach and what to believe. Let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God have its sway because they're doing quite well without somebody telling them what to believe and how to preach. Amen? If you're in certain organizations, you can only preach certain things. And you can't, you can't be free to follow the Holy Spirit. The one reason we hooked up with Independent Assemblies of God International is because it is not a denomination. It is a fellowship of independent ministries worldwide. Hallelujah. I'm accountable if I sin, somebody's going somebody's to tell it. 
it's going to get to California. And, 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 and if, I'm, if I'm found in the no-tell motel, uh, they're going to know it, but they will not have to defrock me. Because Pamela will kill me. And ask God to forgive her. <laughs> Plead temporary insanity. <laughs> We're accountable to the IRS. We're accountable to the state of Florida. We're accountable to the Independent Assemblies of God headquarters. And, and I've had people communicate with me from there. We used to lay hands on people, set them forth in the ministry when they had received papers from Independent Assemblies years ago. Hallelujah. God is still on the throne. Where did they come from? They came out of the Azusa Street outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they were concerned that denominational structure would be so tight and strict, it would restrict the free moving of the Holy Spirit. And they said, we will not, in light of this outpouring of God, we will not organize in the sense of that. I remember a man coming to me. I want you to know where we're coming from while I teach just a little bit today. He came to me, and he happened to come from the Church of God organization. He came to me, and he wanted to invite me to bring our church at that time on Sitka Street, our church, our congregation, under the auspices of the Church of God. He said it will give you an identity. It will give you, we're, we're one of the most influential Pentecostal organizations and and you'll have all of this support well see my uncle was a preacher with the church of god and i knew some things and i'm not casting aspersions i'm just telling you that that all this pie in the sky all this support from fellow ministers i meet with a minister that's part of a big christian organization and he said he said i don't have no fellowship with nobody in my organization Nobody asked me to preach. Nobody asked me to come to the church. Nobody wants to come. Everybody's doing their own thing. He said, I'm glad I discovered you guys that have a kingdom view of things instead of just a, we're within our walls and, and, and we don't ever go outside those walls. They believe in fellowship as long as we're all in the same ship. Can you say that? So, so he, he took me to a steak dinner. He bought, he took me to a steak dinner. And he's telling me all these good things. If we would sign the church over to them and, and I would come under their auspices, I said, you've got, a, you've got a, 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 a good reputation. You've got a good marriage. You don't have any, you're, you're of good report. He said, we've done some checking on you. Amen. And we would love to have you part of our organization. And I thought, well, that's an honor. I'm honored. And I told him, I'm honored by that. But then... He went on to say, at the, at the end of it, he said, well, what is your answer? So that I can tell, you know, the presbyters, the leadership. He said, I told him, I said, I'm concerned at this time that the Holy Spirit couldn't move as freely as He is moving in our midst. Because we just had a lady healed. She was healed of colon cancer in our service. She's from Zephyr Hills. Came down to our church because she heard that, that God could do something for her. We just had a lady that was addicted to cocaine and drugs that had cancer in her female organs. And she, we called her stick woman. 
We called Annette Stick Woman because she was, had lost so much weight. She was living with a drug dealer, and she had all the drugs she could consume because of that. They had taken her children from her. And she was diagnosed, on top of having the drug problem, she was diagnosed with, with cancer in her female organs. So she was given a cancer diagnosis along with an addiction to drugs that would have took several hundred dollars a day to satisfy. And she was sick in body. And her drug dealer husband was put in jail and her children had been taken by by the department of of welfare human services the children's services had taken her children so she had nothing to live for and she told her sister marlena that the only option for her was suicide and she said well come and go to church with me I want to tell you why I am what I am. It's not because I can't be something else. It's because I'm deeply concerned that wherever I preach and whenever I preach and whatever I preach, that the Holy Spirit is directly involved. That it is not just man's teaching that another man taught that another man taught. And that it is not just a message that is biblical. It is the message for that time, that place, and that people. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Because I can feel it. It's not coming from up here. I don't have to think about what I'm going to say next. Because it's not coming from the thinker. It's coming from here. Can you say man? Hallelujah. He that hath an ear, let him hear what Dr. So-and-so from the church of what's happening now has to say. No, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Can you say man? Because the Spirit searches the deep things. Hallelujah. lady had just sat in the back and it sat in the back that Sunday morning I don't know what was preached but I know the Holy Ghost did it and the Holy Ghost was moving she came forward and received Christ as her Savior and when she received Jesus as her Savior he instantaneously without methadone without any program of man he delivered her from all of that deep addiction set her completely free she came back the next sunday and she felt a pain in her lower abdomen she told me this she said i went down to the ladies room and i passed that cancer out of my body and well brother venable how do you know it really happened because she's is she still alive and well how many and you were there it happened she passed oh I got chill bumps on my chill bumps. Come on. I can give. Listen, I can get a sermon book. It's available. Clergy can get a book with a sermon for every day of the year. I'm not talking about a sermon. I'm talking about the message. Hallelujah. You know what angel of the church means in the book of Revelation? And to the angel of the church of Laodicea, to the angel of the church. We see this big angel, this big winged angel, amen, standing there. No, it's not the word for a celestial being. It's a very practical, personal word for the leader of that church. The word angel means messenger. 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 Everybody say messenger. 
Now there are angels that are messengers. Gabriel is a messenger angel. He's the one that came to Mary with a message. I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people for unto you this night is born in Bethlehem a Savior which is Christ. That's a message from God. He brought the message of the, of the understanding of the book of Daniel to Daniel. Same angel in the old covenant, Gabriel. But unto the churches, by the way, he told one of the angels of the church, you have that woman Jezebel teaching other people to sin. And if you don't sit her down, and if you don't hold my standard before my people, I'm going to throw her into a bed of affliction and I'm going to throw all those that follow her into the same bed of affliction. My judgment's going to come. See, you can't go down and preach what your denomination says. You can't go preach what your inclination is. If you're a preacher, a messenger of God, you have to speak as an oracle of God. Can you say man, Hallelujah. And you don't look at people's faces to see if they're responding or not. And a man come to our church called the silver-haired prophet. He had longer hair than, than my brother. You're not the silver-haired prophet, are you? Okay, I won't offend you. I didn't think you were still alive because I was young and he was old. And he was coming. And boy, he said, I've got a prophecy. I'm going to prophesy over everybody that comes back tonight. That was the hook to get you back. I'm going to prophesy over everybody that comes tonight. And he said, and of course some people were really messed up from the flow up. And I knew them and I knew their life. And I thought, what are you going to say to them? And here's where he lost me. He said, and all of it, and don't worry, all of it is going to be good. And I thought, you a false prophet. From, <laughs> you a false prophet. If you're going to tell people doing bad that God's going to do good, you're not going to tell these people the truth. And I'm not going to come and hear you lie. Somebody else is going to have to pay you to do that. Amen. But everybody wanted to hear. It's good. Tell me that God's going to use me mightily while I'm sinning, while I'm rebelling, while I'm, while I'm cavorting with somebody else's husband or wife. No, no, that's not God's message for you, darling. God's message for you is repent. Amen. Or else I'll come and remove your lampstand. Amen. Listen, we need to hear from God. We need to hear from God. We need to hear from God. We have an unction. From the Holy One to know what His heart is, what His truth says, what His will is. Hallelujah. We got people getting doctor's degree in theology, but they don't have God's message for God's people. It might empty a church, but then again it might fill it. But one thing is for sure, we are obligated, if we are God called and God anointed, to tell God's word to God's people, at least you have the opportunity to choose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have an unction from the Holy One to know glory to His name. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. And to the messenger. And who's going to sit? Who's the reason I'm going to make sure you understand this angel thing? Angels don't sit nobody down. Ain't no angel going to come 
and say, you sit down and you hush up. You know, an angel's not going to do that. The angel of the church is the minister behind that pulpit. He and he alone not only has the authority, but the responsibility. And that's why Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you how much of the counsel of God, the parts that people like, the things that will make a, people want to come and hear more. No, the whole counsel of God. Therefore, I am pure from the blood of all men. When I stand before God, there won't be anybody's blood on my hands. That shows responsibility and accountability for what is preached in the pulpit. You can't just pick and choose your messages. There's one man that has one of the biggest followings of anybody in the United States of America in the biggest church. He's on record as saying this, and that's why I don't listen. Here's what he said. When, when someone said, why don't you ever preach on sin? He said, I don't preach on sin. Well, it's funny. Jesus did. Paul did. John did. Is sin no longer an issue? What are we forgiven of? What do we repent of? What has to be canceled for us to be saved? Sin. What did He die on the cross for? What did we do at communion? Take the cup. This is my blood poured out. The new covenant in my blood for the sins of many. He that knew no sin became sin, that we who have sinned might become the righteousness of God in Him. Hallelujah. This guy says to the congregation, to the press, and to the world, I don't ever preach on sin. No wonder 30,000 people come on Sunday. Because sinners are comfortable and never confronted. And they're on their way to hell and no one is going to tell them they're lost. What a shift in the paradigm of preaching what is popular today. And by the way, the world loves this guy and embraces him. And the Bible said if the world loves you, you better take an inventory. You better check yourself out. If the world loves you, the world that hates me loves you. He said, let me tell you something. Jesus said this. Marvel not if the world hate you. Because it hated me first. And he said, when they cast your name out as evil and speak all manner of evil against you, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. But when the world embraces you, he said, you take warning, you take heed. Because the world loves its own. Can you say amen? And, and oh, my Bahasiti Andadabara. That's why. That's why we sat in that service when Annette came down and got saved and delivered from drugs. And then she came down and got healed of cancer. And she's alive today to share the testimony. You were there when it happened. We got witnesses. Come on. These are verifiable miracles. These are not something that you can't verify. One of the greatest evangelists in, known in our generation for healing can't verify a healing. There's not a verifiable one. There's a lot of testimony that can't be verified. Amen. We ought to be, listen, God is real. What He does can be verified. Amen. The doctor can look for it, but he can't find it because he's not there anymore. 
And then the Tampa Tribune came to Annette, show you how the world is, they came to Annette, because she became a receptionist and a dentist officer or whatever, and they said she has went from the guttermost to the uttermost in so many words, and this was in the Tribune, her story. And they came and they spent an hour and a half talking with her and taking notes. And she told what God had done and what Christ had done for her. She was mad as an old wet hen when they ran it. Because they really gave honor to her, but they didn't mention what God did. They didn't mention Christ. They said this woman was addicted to drugs. This woman had her children taken from her. She got her education. She works at a responsible, respectable job. Her children have been restored to her. And she is a woman we need to look at as a role model. That you can change your life. And you can Oh no. In other words, she pulled herself up by her own bootstraps. And no, she didn't. She gave all the glory to God. And they deleted all that God stuff. And that's the way the press of the world does it. Because they don't acknowledge a God that can... They, they acknowledge religion. Dead, lifeless, powerless religion. They love it and the devil loves it because a man, it's man-made. It's driven by man. It's not driven by the Spirit of God. But I feel a stirring in the atmosphere. Can you say, man, I feel that a rain is coming of rest bringing restoration. This is not something that happened 2,000 years ago. This is something that happened about 25 years ago at the Holy Church of God. These are people alive today that can give testimony to what God did. I take no credit for that except for this. Amen. I declared what the Lord gave me to preach. He confirms the Word. The Word that He grants. Not just any Word, but the Word that He sends and unctions. He confirms it with signs following. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In My name they'll lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. They will cast out devils. And we did. And they had to leave. Listen, God is still on the throne. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God hasn't changed. The church has changed and the church is satisfied with the choir and the church is satisfied with the smooth message and the church is satisfied not to be challenged or changed the message of repentance is also the message of restoration because when we repent God restores and there's a positive thing return unto me and I will what? I'll return to you. Well, when God shows up in the service, something is going to occur different from the same old, same old every Sunday. I love to hear that choir. Honey, you just go listen and be entertained by the choir. I, I'd rather hear somebody sing off key where God shows up. Because I don't go to be entertained. <laughs> I go to worship the true and living God. And I come with needs that only God can meet. Hallelujah. And if the preacher don't challenge me, I ain't going to listen to him next Sunday. He ain't got nothing to say to me. If he don't get on my toes, hallelujah, I'm not wearing my steel-toed shoes. I'm wearing my sandals. Go ahead and step on them. If you can, you can challenge me in the Word of God to be more like Jesus, lay it on me. What did we say today? 
It's clobbering time. I wish I had my great big green hulk hand. Amen. The word of God is like what? It's like a hammer that does what? What does it do to the old hardened heart, sin-hardened, rebellious? Amen. It breaks the rock in pieces. Can you say amen? Amen. It's when God is able to break our old stony hearts down and make them hearts of clay that He's able to restore and mold those clay hearts into what He wants to make us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. What was Jeremiah's anointing? What did it start with? Did it start with building up? He said there's a time and a season for everything. There's a time to build. And there's a time to tear down. And did you know something? If we wanted to build back here. In fact, if we wanted to build right here. Right here. If we wanted to build right here. We wouldn't start with starting a building. We start with tearing this one down. Tear it down. Remember that big building right behind us? I don't know if they're going to build there. They're just tired of trying to keep the leaks out of it. They tore that bad boy down. And Jeremiah found out that before he could build for God, he had to tear down. And when you come to tear down... Amen. The traditions of men. And you come to tear down the pride. And you come to tear down all of those people play in church. You come to tear something down. Amen. You're not going to be applauded initially. You're not going to be well received. But if the message is received, God's going to build something right there. God's going to build something in those people. But it doesn't start with building. It starts with tearing something down. And amen. There are kingdoms in our life that needs to be torn down. There are idols in our heart that need to be torn down but when they're torn down God is going to take his place hallelujah hallelujah and when he is Lord hallelujah God is going to move well we just seen God do these things and I thought the last thing we need right here and right now by the way I was healed of cancer in a church that came out of a church Brother Joe Woodward was the pastor of the church was the Tampa Revival Center, downtown Tampa. A revival started in his church. People were getting saved. They were getting healed, delivered and set free and demons cast out. And your mama and your daddy, your mama used to go to their prayer meetings in the morning. And those people prayed every morning and church was seven days a week. Can you imagine? People showing up seven days a week in church. We can't even get people to stay seven minutes after 12 in most churches. Let alone seven days a week. But you get a move of God like that. Oh, it draws folk. And people came from everywhere. And the problem was he'd invited other pastors in his organization to come and participate. They were jealous. They didn't want to be there. They called the headquarters and said, people are leaving our Sunday night service to go over there. He's divisive. He said, I'm not divisive. There's a move of God. I can't shut it down. They told him to shut it down. Shut it down. Listen, you get man in charge of something God is doing, you've got a major problem. This is not a democracy. 
not church. This is a theocracy. God appoints. God anoints. He isn't a man of God. Don't listen to him. Don't come. Don't give. Don't do nothing. He'll dry up and fade away. We're 43 years in. Not because people have always loved us or helped us, but because God has been with us. Can you say amen? And for some unknown reason, you're here today. There are better churches in terms of size and programs. There are choirs that sing like angels. And there's preachers that are in the golden crowd with them right now. Yes, they are. It's a pretty easy job. Give them what they want. Get them out. Done, it's over. Everybody's happy, but nobody's healed. Nobody's delivered. Nobody's convicted. Nobody is set free. Nobody's restored because nobody repented. Nobody repented. One of the hardest things to get is so-called spiritual people to repent. And there's no one so spiritual they don't need to repent. Because our flesh is weak. And it is prone. It will fail you. It will fail me. And when it does, I need to repent and be restored. Because God is a restorer. Praise God. I love Isaiah 58. Is not this the fast? It's not a fast of food. It is a life that is now uh, considered a fast in God's sight because we're not doing our own thing anymore. We're hungry for righteousness and we are serving the Lord. Is not, is this the fast that I've chosen? Listen to the food fast. To hang your head like a bulrush. How do you know if Brother Ben was fasting? Oh, when he got out of the car, I saw him this morning. He must have been fasting a long time. He got out of the car. And he, and we, he come in. Here's the hanging head. Good morning, brothers and sisters. This is my 15th day. But see, I just killed it right there. It's, I killed it. Because I got what I was really after in my fast, and that's you to say, how, what a spiritual guy. I don't think I can make it five days. He fasts 15 days. He's so anointed. Oh, he's so anointed, Brother Taylor. Oh, and he's so sacrificial and self-deprecating. I, I think I'm going to have to sit down this morning. This is my 15th day. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what God showed me. God showed me some things, and here it is. And you take that with you. Oh, oh, the ground is holy. The ground is holy. We had a preacher come in a tent. He was called the barefoot preacher. He said, every time I preach, there's such an anointing, I have to take my shoes off because the ground is too holy where I'm stepping. And I thought, oh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, Lord, have mercy. What a humble guy. Amen. 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 i got to take my shoes off. Oh, oh, because there's a hole. I'm so holy that the ground I'm stepping on, uh, amen, it's just like the burning bush. I am the burning bush. No, you're not the burning bush. You're a flesh and blood man that needs to humble down and bow before Almighty God like everybody else in this building needs to bow before Almighty God and repent of your pride. Pride made an angel a devil. 
by reason of his beauty, he was lifted up. Amen? And Paul was kept down by reason of his revelations. There was given to me, permitted by God, a buffeting spirit, lest I be lifted up above measure because of the many revelations. Here's another something. Just get it in your heart. Don't appoint a novice to be a teacher. He will fall into the trap of pride. That's in the Bible. Somebody that's just got saved, sometimes they'll take a sports star and invite them to every gathering because of his reputation as a sports star. Hasn't even taken baby steps in following Christ yet. And guess what? All the eyes will go on him. And unless he quits trying to tell everybody how to live, and he, he can give a testimony, but when he starts trying to teach others, and he hasn't proven that he can follow Jesus himself, amen, then he's going to fall. A lot of people are going to be hurt by it. Don't put a novice into a place of teaching ministry. Why? Because they're going to be so busy trying to tell other people, they miss their own need. They don't see their own pride. They don't see their own sin. They're going to go out and win the world and tell the world, no they're not. They're going to fall because that man is saying, behold, I stand. Look at me. I'm standing. No, no, honey. When man says that, it is pride. He is self-sufficient. When a man says, behold, I stand, he better take heed. He better. He's the one in the congregation that needs to humble down. He's the one that needs to bow down. He doesn't need to stand up and declare himself. He needs to bow down and declare Christ. Everybody wants to be a preacher. Everybody wants a title. We've got more apostles today than we have pastors. Don't we? We've got to have a title. Who, who, yeah, women, men, whatever. There may be true apostles out there, but I'm going to tell you something. A guy came to our church. He came in. He walked up to me and looked me in the eye and said, I'm an apostle. And he, he knew I wasn't impressed. So he pulled out his wallet. He pulled out his business card. And guess what it said? Apostle so-and-so. The, the man thinks because he printed a business card and calls himself an apostle that he is an apostle. Isn't that incredible? Titles. Titles. Titles without an anointing to back it up. Titles without an appointing from God. Prophets. I believe there's prophets today. But it's prophets so-and-so is going to speak. Amen? So this apostle, I took his card and I threw it away. And I marked him. Because there's a scripture in the book of Revelation that says, this is one thing I'm going to commend you for. You've tried them that say they are apostles and found them to be liars. That means you don't receive someone because they declare themselves. You wait for God's confirmation. And if you don't, you're letting wolves in among the sheep. And wolves don't come looking like wolves. They come in sheep's clothing. 
That's why the Lord said, watch them, beware of them. Paul said, after my departing, because I can see them and I'll pick them out. He said, grievous wolves are coming, not sparing the flock. And I haven't, I haven't ceased to warn you with tears for three years. I spent three years, years telling you, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Because this is a Pentecostal church born out of Pentecost, believing in the gifts of the Spirit. And somebody can come in and say, come tie my bow tie. And they think that they're full of the Holy Ghost. Can you say, man, he said, you better look for more than tongues. You better look for more than people falling out when they pray. You better look for a life. Can you say, man, that bears the marks of an apostle. And the marks of an apostle is the persecution because of the life he's living. Amen? So, four weeks later, as I prayed about this thing, and marked that fellow. Oh, Brother Ben, are you judging? You better believe it. I'm not judging what should happen to anybody. I'm judging right from wrong and light from darkness. And every Christian is responsible to make those choices. And I'm not going to turn nobody loose on you. Amen. That just comes in here with a title and a declaration. Hallelujah. I'm selective. Highly selective. Four weeks later, I got a call from a church that had kicked him out and banned him from coming and got a, one of those warrants where you can't come on the property against him. Restraining order of this apostle. It wasn't because he's preaching the truth and they didn't want to hear it. It's because he's living a lie and they, wouldn't, they didn't want to, wanted him influencing anybody. He was living in unrepentant sin. He had a rebel heart, and this is a good, solid church with a good, solid pastor that banned him from coming back. So he showed up at our church with his card to identify him. And he did not want to be confronted with his sin. And he headed from our, oh, by the way, he had influence over a lot of young people. He began to show forth a false spirituality. And friend of mine, we are living in the day of the false prophet. We're living in the day of false preachers. We're living in the day when Satan's own preachers no marvel if they be manifest as, as ministers of righteousness. Can you say man? But if we're going to have a true revival, we're going to have to quit following the false prophets and the false teachers. And we're going to have to get a heart for truth, even if it tears against our old flesh. Tell me the truth on Sunday morning. Because if I continue in His Word... I'm going to know the truth, not just intellectually, not even just spiritually, but experientially as I apply it to my life. If you continue in my word, John 8, 30 and 31, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. God came to my, my home as we closed and he knocked on the door. He said, God sent me to preach in your pulpit this coming Sunday. God has given me a revelation. He said, Jesus was not virgin born. I wanted to slap him right then and there, but I don't do that anymore. No, somebody ought to slap you. This is a cardinal truth. He's not the Messiah. He's not virgin born. He's not the Christ. This is central to the truth. But he's got a revelation. 
And he said, God told me to go to every church in America and tell them the truth. He said, I'm an apostle. Apostle, by the way, means sent one. One that God has handpicked and personally sent. Everybody say handpicked and personally sent. So, he said he was handpicked and personally sent to bring a lie to the congregation. Can't be supported biblically. So I looked him in the eye. And I said, listen, I don't know you. But Isaiah said, this shall be a sign unto you. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. And the government will be on his shoulders. I said, so here's where I stand. I've got Isaiah and you. I've got the Bible, the Word of God, and I've got what you say God showed you. And I said, sir, I don't want you near my church, and I want you out of my home. Oh, Brother Benwell, you were not gracious. No, I do not entertain the devil at my house. No, I don't. No, I don't. And you know what he did on the way out? As he was backing out, he said, I pray God will open your eyes. And he spoke in beautiful tongues. And for a while, Pentecostals, if they heard tongues, they didn't check the truth. They didn't check the qualification. They just gobbled whatever it was up. Somebody said, God told me, God showed me. They just gobbled it up. Gobbled it up. But the times, they are a-changing. Can you say, man, there was a time we might have gobbled it up, but we got some stuff that made us sick at our stomach, and we said, this did not come from God. Our pastor couldn't even help us because he was new at it. So we got down in the Bible and the Holy Ghost came and he began to teach us from the Word of God. Can you say, man, and I'm going to tell you something about the Word of God. It'll give you a sensitivity. Even if you can't put your finger on it, you just know something ain't right here. Something isn't resonating. <laughs> something isn't ringing right. And don't be afraid to question me Anybody else, hallelujah, praise God, but do it biblically, do it biblically, do it biblically, hallelujah. Here's the deal, we got to get hungry to be right with God, not hungry to hear what we want to hear, because the last days will be marked not only with false prophets and teachers, but people who want it that way. They will heap to themselves, teachers, having itching ears, if you will tell me what I want to hear, I'm coming to hear you. I'll send money to you, I'll support you. It's God's people that are supporting the false prophets and teachers of today. It's God's people that are not involved in the political process that are sitting back on their leaves and letting the devil put his people in office. It's Christians that either didn't vote or voted for the benefits they could get instead of the righteousness that we need for God's blessing in America. Or it wouldn't be like it is right now. It's compromised Christianity. With the big tall churches. Steeples. 
robed pastors with large crosses to show how righteous we are instead of lives that speak of humble commitment to follow Jesus Christ. We look for the gifts of the Spirit instead of the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ in us being lived out through us. Goodness, mercy, kindness, tenderness. Easy. The love of God is easy, the Bible said. Easy to speak to, easy to be corrected. Amen. We have a teachable spirit. Glory to God. What a difference in what we're seeing today. The top shelf promises are all about being more like Christ. Being separated from the world and being sanctified. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these you might what? What is top shelf? Well, to our old flesh, top shelf is my healing, my help, my financial prosperity, my blessings, my deliverance, anything I need from God. i got a carte blanche. I can write a check by faith on what is. Yes, there are great promises to address all of those things, but they are not on the top shelf. And the church is not going after those promises that God has placed number one. And when you ask amiss, you ask to do what? Consume it on yourself. It has nothing to do with God's kingdom, God's perfect will. It has to do, everything has to do with me and mine. You have not because you ask not. That's a faith issue. You have not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss to consume it on yourself. But here's the promise to go after. And then all the other. <sighs> Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things that are important to God and important to us. He said, I'm going to just heap them on you. I'm going to take care of that. Not because you have to seek it, but because you're seeking me in the furtherance of my king, seeking to be right, right, wise with me. Hallelujah. All these things. Well, what were the things? What we eat, wherewith we shall be clothed, all the things that have to do with life. He said, I'll take care of you if you will just go top shelf. Amen? With a pure motive in prayer and seeking. Seek my face, not just my favor. Hallelujah. Seek to be right with me, and I'll bless you with a blessing. Hallelujah. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might partake of the divine nature. The exceeding great and precious that God's talking about is becoming more like Him. And that's not top shelf with the faith movement today. The car is, the job is, the house is, and the bank account is. And so since there's no hunger for righteousness, there's no filling. Because without God filling you, that house may not be a home. I deal with pastors for five years. There's one pastor that gave him a parsonage. He said it's got a, a built-in kitchen that costs $25,000 just for the kitchen. That's a nice kitchen. That, that fridge is, that's not even Frigidaire or Ma Magic Chef. That's one of those, those beyond. That's like one of those professional cooks use for the stove and, and stainless steel and granite and whatever they have. 
He said, but I'm so busy with the church. My wife and I, we've been in it a year now, and we haven't eaten a home-cooked meal. We have to get fast food because we get home at different times, and we're busy for God. And I thought, you're neglecting your home, your family, to build your ministry. And one out of two pastors' marriages in America will fail. We can preach the truth, but we can't be an example to the flock. Not being a lord over God's heritage. See, title gives you authorities due to the title. Not being, not using a title to lord over God's heritage. I want to get warn young men. In fact, is your son and I had a talk about that. Somebody taking you under your wing and making you a gopher for them while they sit up here and treat you like some kind of servant that doesn't deserve respect and honor. All you're there for is just to make them look good. No, that's not what a pastor's there. He's, he's to tell you what you mean to God. How precious you are to Christ. There's no nobodies in the kingdom of God. We're servants of Jesus together. Can you say man? So, one out of every two pastor's marriages are going to fail. So he can be highly appointed and even highly anointed. But what he can't be is what he's called to be. An example to the flock. And right now, as long as someone is telling us what we want to hear and saying a few words in tongues, we don't care. Thousands of Christians are supporting people that can't walk out. They can talk the talk. And they do it well. Biblical, scriptural, interesting, charismatic, personable. But they can't walk the walk. And Christian congregations just don't care. We use a biblical qualification for a pastor. There's a whole lot of people in mega churches right now that could not stand in a pulpit on Sunday morning. But we're not using a biblical standard. We've lowered the standard to accommodate sin and compromise. And a little leaven. A little leaven. A little leaven. Come on, a little bit of leaven. What you put in bread to make it rise, a little bit of it will leaven the whole lump. And you've got a congregation of compromised people because they say, if she can do it and be that anointed and be in that position, so can I. If he can do it and be anointed and appointed in that leadership and God use them like that, so can I. So can I. So can I. So as goes the pulpit, so goes the church. Can you say amen? How many know that? I, listen, I'm ready to step out. of. If I can't be an example to you, I'm not going to stand up here. You know why? Because I'm not going to account to you. Hey man, you may still want me and applaud me, but I'm going to account to God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 And I want to be able to say on that day, I'm pure from Annette's blood. I told 
her the truth. Can you say, man, I, I don't know what you're looking for, but I'm looking for truth. My soul is vital to me. I don't want to miss heaven because somebody pets me and tells me what I want to hear. I want to go to heaven because somebody told me what is required to get to heaven. Can you say, man? Before any minister graduates from Bible school, he should go to the book of Ezekiel and realize when he stands behind the sacred desk, he comes under a responsibility and an accountability to God. Son of man, Ezekiel said, I've made you a watchman. Or it was said to Ezekiel, I've made you a watchman over Israel. If you see the enemy coming, a watchman stood on the wall. His job was to sound the alarm. If you see the enemy coming and you fail, and here's the missing element, there's no ministry of warning. Nobody's warning the novice about the pride because they're going to lose him or her. Nobody's warning the sinner that sin has consequences. And God hasn't changed His mind about what is sin or its consequences. Nobody's warning the unruly. Nobody's warning the rebel heart about the consequences. If you see the enemy coming and you, warn, you fail to warn my people, their blood, that's what Paul was talking about, their blood I'll require at your hand. If they're killed because you didn't warn them, I'm going to hold you accountable personally and responsible for their death. But if you see the enemy coming and you warn my people and they don't listen, I will not hold you accountable. And that's the only thing that kept Jeremiah preaching because nobody Read it. Nobody. He was a true God called God appointed prophet of God, but nobody listened. No, this wasn't about how many people can you gather in a room. This is how many people are going to repent and follow God. Can you say, man, this is not how big can you build your buildings and your facilities. This is how, how you're going to further the kingdom of God. Listen to me carefully. He had to preach that because he knew that he was in a place of accountability and responsibility. And Paul said, whoa, 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 whoa is me. If I preach not the gospel, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, woe is me. Praise God. He said, if you fail to warn my people, I will require their blood. They will be destroyed. If you don't warn them, they will be destroyed. If the watchman on the wall doesn't sound the alarm, they will be destroyed. But I'm going to hold the watchman accountable. But if you warn them and they don't listen, and they do not listen, and they do not listen and they're destroyed, I will not hold you accountable. So when I go home from church on Sunday morning, Sunday, anywhere I preach, I preach what God gives me because I don't want to be held accountable for anybody's blood that hears this message, not only here, but wherever God sends it. Hallelujah. So I'm not in the church building business. I'm in the kingdom furthering business. I'm preaching for the furthering of a spiritual kingdom. And you've been around here long enough, you know I'm going to tell you the truth on Sunday. And we're almost done telling you because it's getting late. But grievous wolves have come. 
they have infiltrated. They are in pulpits in America today. And God's people are supporting them. And as goes the pulpit, so goes the pew. A little leaven leavens the lump. It leavens the lump. It leavens the lump. But the Spirit of the Lord is moving across the land. I sat with this overseer, and I said, we're in the move of God. And I'm deeply concerned that if men get involved other than the Holy Spirit, we won't have this freedom to preach, to teach what the Spirit prompts us from the Word of God. And I don't want to stop what is producing what we're seeing. You know what I'm talking about. And then he realized I wasn't interested in what he was offering. And instead of you know, looking down on me and being condescending. He said, well, would you pray about this then? I said, what? Now listen to the exposing of people's self if you just let them talk long enough. He said, he said, I know a pastor. He went to South America on a mission trip with a missionary. He preached and people got saved. People got healed and demons were cast out. And said people began to come to that little church where he preached. And he said that preacher got ill. And said I can't continue to pastor here. And, and he, said, he said God spoke to me. You go back to South America. You've had a response. People are get saved. He said so I went. He said I know him personally. He's part of our organization. And he said he went back and more people got saved. More people were delivered and more people came. Said after a while, there was a Holy Ghost revival. Come to that church and people were coming from everywhere to hear the gospel. And so many getting saved. So you know what he did? He went to the mission board and he asked them for permission. He said, they said, we have no more finances. We can't send another missionary. We are, we are stretched to our limits supporting missionaries. He said, okay, that's fine. I will trust God for the finances. I'm just asking permission to go. And you know what? Because they sat in that place of authority, they did not like somebody telling them. They're going to do the telling. And you know what? They told him who God told to go. And already the fruit was evident. They told him, you stay in your church. You preach in your pulpit. Now when God tells you something, and the fruit of it is clear, you don't come under man's authority and denominational hierarchies any longer. You know what this pastor did? He said, then I respectfully resign my preaching papers with the organization respectfully not rebelliously but respectfully I must go where God is sending me and they graciously took his papers and marked him as somebody that don't listen to everything and so he took off for South America and that church grew and grew and thrived 
but he was totally dependent on outside sources. They wouldn't send him a nickel. So it's okay, though. He didn't hold that against them. He got papers with a mission organization, and he is preaching in South America as far as I know to this day. And he said, Pastor Venable, would you consider, do you ever support missions in your church? He, I said, yes, we do. We've got several going right now. One of them in Haiti, main one. He said, would you consider praying about supporting this ministry? Because this is a man of God, and this ministry is bringing forth such fruit. And I looked at him. I said, do you see why? That I was reluctant to join up. Oh, boy. He realized he had just blew the cover of denominational politics, inhibiting the Holy Spirit from moving. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. You can't have man's organization and the Spirit's leading simultaneously. Man will clamp it down. He will stop it. And the reason I got healed of leukemia, I would have been dead before I was nine, according to my prognosis. The reason I'm healed, because another preacher did the same thing. They said, shut that revival down. This pa My pastor said, I didn't start it. I cannot stop it. Amen. This is God, not me. I'm not causing the healings I'm not causing the miracles I'm not bringing people to salvation God is can you say man and he respectfully turned in his papers but kept the move of God flowing and my mom and my daddy were desperate for their son who was going to die and they took me for a church where God was moving by his spirit can you say man hallelujah and they took me down I remember it I'll never forget it they took me forward where a man was preaching that didn't have a PhD or a master's degree but he was anointed of God and he had the gifts of the spirit in operation he was called and sent by God hallelujah and when I stood before him my mama went to describe to him my medical condition and she, she had the L of leukemia out and he just bypassed her altogether she said she said my son has L L, L. she got to the L and God came on that man and he just grabbed me by the head and said heal this boy of cancer of the blood I curse it and command it to leave him in the name of Jesus <laughs> Holy Ghost didn't tell him I had leukemia he might not even know what leukemia was but he dropped in his heart cancer of the blood and that's what leukemia is and from that day whoo to this day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother Bimbo, why do you holler all the time? Because I was lost and now I'm found. I was dying, but now I'm healed. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Will you stand to your feet? God is good today. God is good today. God is good today. You have let it rain. Listen, when we go top shelf, kingdom first, everything else is going to be taken care of. Whereby given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might partake of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Say, man, that's deliverance. 
That's deliverance of our weak flesh from its temptations and tendencies. Amen. To try to blend this old world structure and system with the kingdom of God. and the, It's oil and water. You love one or hate the other. You've got to make a choice. I want to partake of the divine nature. Holiness needs to be the standard for every child of God. And I'm not talking about just how you dress. But I'm talking about in your heart. That cleansing of the heart. Can you say amen? And I believe when we do, God is going to restore the years that the canker worm, caterpillar, palmer worm, and locust have eaten. Send the former and the latter rain in one season. I believe there's going to be one great last move of God and Christ is coming. One great last in gathering of souls and Christ is coming again. So my prayer is I'm seeking Him till He come and reign. What on us? Righteousness. Because if we're right with God, we will be filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And there's the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And the power that's missing in the pulpit and in the pew will be restored. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And we will be kept by the power of God unto the day of redemption. And when He comes, He will find faith and faithfulness in His church. Can you say amen? How many want that? You're thirsty. You're thirsty. You're hungry. You're hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Let's have repentance right where we stand, right in our hearts. Not in the posture of our body, but in our heart right now, right here, right now. Ula basitianda da basataya. Kela basanda da basataya.